Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, who will be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Plus, our guest is an outstanding Raiders reporter for ESPN. He might be the only person to cover the team in Oakland, Los Angeles, as well as Vegas. Obviously, guys, the big news is Mark Davis fired uh, Josh McDaniels, and he also fired Dave Ziegler. Offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi also let go. Linebackers coach Antonio Pierce has been promoted to interim head coach. Stan, let me begin with you. Your thoughts on all the moves. Oh, man. Um, That just lets you know that this is something that Mark Davis has been thinking about for quite some time. Uh, I don't believe that just the loss on Monday night to the Detroit Lions, 26 to 14 or 14 to or 16 to 24, whatever the score was together. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that um I don't think that that was that was that that's it. I think this uh probably something that's been brewing for a while. I think the Chicago loss probably was a a big factor. And when you look in the game, how you see Jimmy G obviously missing Devontae Adams on several of those deep throws, and Devontae Adams looking frustrated, and then you hear after the game when they interview Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs that basically say, well, you know, my job's just to play. I don't know how to fix things. And Devontae Adams looking visibly upset. Uh, I think that everything just kind of, you know, started tumbling down. And Mark Davis felt that right now it's better to go ahead and make that change rather than wait until the bye week or something like that. So it just looks like Josh McDaniels lost the locker room. I think that uh, when you look at the the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm not sure what is their record, what, three and four? three and five, something like that. Uh, Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not one in seven, (laughs) you know, they're not oh and eight. They're not, they're not a a one win team like the Carolina Panthers. So they're still technically uh, in reach of being able to make the playoffs, even though we can tell that by the way, they look on the football field that that's not happening. Um, So definitely seems like this has been a long time coming or something that he's definitely been uh, contemplating for a while and obviously Monday night was just the uh, the final domino. All right, Paul, let me turn to you. You actually spoke to Raiders owner Mark Davis on Wednesday evening. Why Why now? Why not wait to the bye? Why not wait till the end of the season? Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about it in talking with Mark today. Um, was it, it Like you were saying, Stan, it wasn't just one thing. It was the culmination yeah. of a lot of things. And he actually told me that he gave himself to the tree, gave himself a personal deadline of up to the NFL trade deadline to make a decision to go one way or the other. So getting embarrassed on national TV uh, the way they did, and the score wasn't indicative at all of, of how not much at all. it truly was. I mean, right. they, they were not in that game at all, especially in the second half, um, where he decided it was just time to do it. That He did not see any progress. He actually saw regression, and it was just time to cut bait and move on. My words, not his, but that's, that's the way he described it. So um, – and it just kind of comes full circle to me. And, and I remember we talked about this back in the day, Stan, with how how strong, it, how strange it was, rather, that he went so far outside of the box to hire guys that were going to bring in the so-called Patriot way, right? Mm-hmm. So it just was not a good fit. It was not a good hire. And by by getting rid of both of them at the same time, it just kind of justifies it, that, that line of thinking, that it wasn't a good hire in the first place. So now he's going back to kind of some roots, so to speak, going more with an emotional 
fiery leader rather than the the tactician that uh, they brought in in in, in McDaniel's. And, and really, if you're bringing him in because you see him as an offensive guru and he's going to do all these crazy things with the offense, it just didn't happen. It got worse game by game by game. So if you don't see an end, a positive end to that, you're rather you're seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a train rather than hope. It's time to cut bait. All right, let me get um, the promo. Stan, let me get the promo reading oh, in here real okay. quick, and then I'll let you react. <laughs> Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Just won their first ever World Series. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website. Or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but need one. On everything's uh, perfectly fine. So, and I guess this is for both of you guys, but also, but it's probably more directed toward Paul because he had the conversation with Mark Davis tonight, and just want to make sure that I'm correct on this. So, Dave Ziegler, the GM. Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and the offensive coordinator were fired, correct? Correct. So, was the defensive coordinator fired? No. He's still there. Okay. Graham is still there. Yeah, so why choose Antonio Pierce to be the interim head coach? And he's, mind you, he's the linebackers coach. Correct. And how does that now work with him being the linebackers coach and he's now basically overseeing the team which makes him now over Patrick Graham. Like, how does that, how did, why did that happen? And now going <laughs> forward, how does that work the remaining 10 weeks? Paul, I'm going to let you take this because you yeah. and I were talking before we started our podcast. Why was Antonio Pierce the choice to me? And then Stan, on top of that, his coaching resume, he coached four years at Long Beach Poly High School in Southern California. That's his only head coaching experience. I'm thinking, man, is this Jeff Saturday with the Colts from last year? You know, <laughs> So go ahead, Paul, take it away. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. And, and again, it, it, I wrote the article, so it's posted online at ESPN.com. But I asked him, point blank, why Antonio Pierce? And that was no disrespect at all. I mean, when he came into the press conference, there was a fire. There was an energy. There was something about him that drew you to him. There was an intensity. And as he said, hey, I'm no fool. I'm a player first, a coach second. And he's not that far removed from 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 winning a Super Bowl ring. Anyway yeah, he's not. Tonight. And he's Absolutely. a linebacker. That's a, that's a different cat anyways, right? I mean, that's a different mentality when you're playing linebacker. So he he's coaching as a linebacker. So how and why he jumped over Patrick Graham, per se, we didn't get into that other than I simply asked Mark, why him, why now? And he said he looked at his bio, and he was just kind of intrigued by it. So he wanted to have a sit-down with him. So he said after 30 minutes, he was sold. He was more than intrigued. He was more than interested. Um, he liked the, his energy. But beyond that, he used this phrase that I thought was real interesting. He doesn't want him to necessarily coach guys up. He wants him to lead guys. There's a, there's a very fine line there. There's a very fine difference. And, mm -hmm. and to me, it was interesting because that's what kept Rich Basaccia from getting the job on a full-time basis two years ago because he was more of a leader than a tactician. And at the time, that's what Mark Davis wanted. He wanted the X's and O's guy, and he was sold on that. Now he's kind of going back. The other thing that was interesting was in the press conference, to me, being an old-school hip-hop kind of a head guy anyway growing up at this time uh and Tony, he said he grew up in compton that he was there running the streets when when the raiders were running the coliseum when he was running uh with nwa and straight out of compton wearing the raider hats 
So Mark Davis took that and he said, you know what? He understands what the Raider culture is. And then he said, and you know how important that is to me. So all of those things together kind of made up that, that perfect little tempest there. And that's why he gets it. And if you watch the press conference, if you were in the room, he had a bunch of middle-aged and, and <laughs> never been there kind of reporters ready to run for, through a wall for him. I can only imagine that how, what kind of effect that's going to have on professional football players in the locker room. Well, I'm curious. You mentioned room. What was that Raiders locker room like uh, following that Monday night loss to uh, the Detroit Lions? Was there any hints that this might be coming? It, it was it was silent. It was a mausoleum. There's a lot of angry people in there. I mean, in one corner, you got Devontae, and I'm sure you've seen the clip where he literally said, I don't have the words. I, don't, I, I really don't know what to say here. Uh, Josh Jacobs simmering, just simmering about how, you know, he doesn't know how to fix it. He just plays. And you don't hear that from him. He's usually very effervescent and very thoughtful and says things that, that he means. Well, he was very meaning in, in not saying anything that night. And then you had Max Crosby over in the corner. It was kind of his homecoming going back to Detroit. And he was wearing, and you guys got you're going to pick up on this. He was wearing a Ron Artest throwback Indiana Pacers jersey in Detroit. Uh, Malice in the Palace, anyone? So he was trying to send <laughs> yeah. a message, except it was the Palace intrigue of what was going on with the Raiders. It was the real story. So looking back, there was a weird vibe. And I can kind of put my finger on it now. That night, I just thought, you know, they just got smoked. It was national TV. It's the latest embarrassment. I honestly thought that they would get at least the next two games because they're winnable games against the New York teams. And you win those two games, you're back at 500. Um, And if you don't, okay, then it's time to really consider this. I was told earlier this offseason and during training camp, actually, that there was no hot seat, so to speak, for these two. And yet. Here we are. So, again, as, as, as you would attest to this, Dan, I'm sure in the NFL, every game is a season into itself. And mm-hmm. we just saw a season into itself end with what happened in Detroit. OK, I want to pick up on season in just one moment, guys. But I just want to go over Josh McDaniel's futile resume in his 25 games as Raiders head coach. Nine and 16 overall record. He lost to an undrafted D2 rookie making his first start. That was the Bears <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. He lost to a high school coach. We already talked about that. Jeff Saturday and the Colts a year ago, a year ago, excuse me. Blew a double-digit lead to a quarterback who had never practiced with his team, Baker Mayfield and the Rams a year ago. Blew the biggest lead in franchise history, 20 points to the Cardinals a year ago. Blew three other double-digit leads uh, and also got shut out in a game when his starting offense and cross midfield. That was the Saints a year ago. Not uh, not a very that, pretty resume, I would say. So you guys bad? mentioned the season. <laughs> uh, you guys were both around when uh, Lane Kiffin was fired and Tom Cable took over. That season pretty much... Stayed the way it was. They ended up winning five games. But a few years ago, Rich Bisaccia takes over for John Gruden. The Raiders make the playoffs. Uh, this question is for whoever wants to start with. How do you see the rest of this uh, season potentially playing out? Stan, please take it. <laughs> <laughs> you, both on the uh, spot. Um, you know. You've been there before, Stan, with a coaching change. No, exactly. That's why I'm, I'm really trying to choose my words carefully. <laughs> I don't see this changing this season and a few a few reasons why. Uh, for one, I think that if you really want to try to uplift this team, you want to try to get some changes, I think you're just going to have to probably go with the young guy, uh, Aiden O'Connell. I think we saw exactly Jimmy G. He's been injured so uh, a couple times this year. He leads the league in interceptions, and he hasn't even played in every game. Uh, that's number one. You can see that Josh, I mean, I'm sorry, you can see that Devontae Adams is clearly frustrated. 
Uh, we saw the two miss th- misfires on the two times where Devontae Adams is clearly behind the DB. I forget his name, the uh, uh, the right corner for the Detroit Lions. So I think Devontae Adams is frustrated from who he has throwing him the ball. That's number one. Number two, on the other side of the ball, we know that the Raiders' defense is not exactly a juggernaut. They're not playing like the Cleveland Browns right now. And now that you've elevated Antonio Pierce to interim head coach and you still have Patrick Graham as your DC, I wonder how that's going to work. So you already have a defense that's not stellar by any by any measure. And now you're going to have the DC who has to answer to what's been his subordinate all season. That right there, I got to see how that works. Uh, obviously, you know, one would say, well, Stan, you know, they're, they're, they're professionals. They know how to, you know, they know how to make it work in, uh, around the workplace. Yeah. But you still have to deal with personalities. You still have to deal with egos, dare I say. And that's no slight to anybody amongst this duo. That's not no slight to them, but they're humans. That's the main thing. And when you're somebody who is the DC and you're used to calling the defense how you want to call it. And now all of a sudden the head coach, I'm sorry, interim head coach, walks over to you during the course of a game and says, hey, uh, right now let's go ahead and start running a little bit more cover two to go ahead and try to slow them down and try to, you know, preserve this victory or preserve this lead that we have with eight minutes left to go in the game. And the defense coordinator already has his own ideology, his own philosophy of how he wants to call his defense. And now the same person who just two weeks ago was now taking orders from him, is now giving those orders on the sideline. That's something that uh, is going to be very interesting to watch down the line, or so should I say down the stretch. So to your point or to your question, I don't see this changing this year. Uh, the Raiders have a multitude of issues. And me personally, I think when you elevate to the interim head coach position, a position coach and not a coordinator, who the coordinator wasn't fired amongst the mass exodus that we just saw last night. I just think that there's going to be some growing pains uh, within that new dynamic, especially on the defense side of the ball, on top of the simple fact that the only person that's playing at a high level is Max Crosby. Take it away, Paul. Yeah, Stan, and I, and I thought I was called a hater by Raider fans a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're keeping it real. You keep it real. It's definitely, there's definitely that, that dynamic, which I really hadn't even thought of yet, right? But then there's always the flip side to that. What if Patrick Graham and, and Antonio are actually on the same page, have been on the same page all along, and it was the orders mm. from Josh McDaniels to play a different type of defense? What if they're actually together on this? And they are on the same page, the same Good mindset, point. the same way. Good point. Good point. And they go now. I don't know. Maybe that's that's uh, you know the glass is too half empty. <laughs> but but what if that's the case? And and what if this bump? Because we did see it um, two years ago. There was an immediate bump offensively when when Basachi uh, took over and Greg Greg yes. Olson took over. It's very true. Now and it came back down, but then it took off again at the end when everything went their way. So there's mm-hmm. always going to be that emotional bump right away. They're yes. coming home. They're Agreed. playing against. They're coming home to play against a terrible Giants team. Uh, Giants fans are not going to take over Allegiant Stadium like the Steelers fans did, like the Patriots fans did, like the Packers fans did. So there's going to be some sort of a of a home field advantage. There's going to be an emotional aspect of the game that wasn't there before. The only emotion that you felt before was this vitriol towards 
uh, Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler to a lesser extent. So there's going to be this kind of positive vibe that they can, this wave that maybe just maybe they'll ride that wave to some, to, to a win. And then you ride it to another win. And then you're, you're five and five. All of a sudden the big question I have on the other side of the ball though, is if indeed the offense has been the problem. And I think we all agree on that. And the, the source of that is gone, but he didn't take the offense with them. This is the only scheme they know. Now you're elevating a, a quarterback coach to offensive coordinator play call, and, and he's never called plays before in his career. What kind of offense is that? Because two years ago, at least with John Gruden's offense, yeah, it was cricket, it was rickety, and it was something from the 20th century. But Greg Olson, it wasn't terrible. Greg Olson was able to put his own shine on it, and it took off. I don't know what they do with this. If the offense was the problem, unless they got to dust it off and find some plays that weren't there before, like I don't know. Throw it to Hunter Renfro. Throw it to Devontae Adams, and with with Aiden and with Aiden O'Connor, you know now the starting quarterback, he's at least got a bigger arm that can keep guys out of the box and and stop you know with the run game. So there's a lot of what ifs, and I did ask Mark Davis point blank, what is a reasonable expectation for this team going down the stretch? Without pause, I have no idea. That's why they play the games. There you go. Mm. Mm. I don't know if I like that that answer but you know what it's the raiders it's mark davis and you know i think anything can be expected with these with this team all right paul you touched on it just briefly aiden o'connell has been named the starting quarterback and i imagine it's his job uh the rest of the season taking over for a very ineffective uh jimmy g he's already started one game against the chargers he had some moments i know he turned the ball over three times but at the end of that game the raiders had an opportunity to tie uh to tie it and he threw the pick uh stan i know you've been calling for this so let me ask you like with everything that you just said about this offense paul what are realistic expectations for Aiden O'Connell, not only on Sunday, but for moving forward? Oh, me? Or either one of you. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Stan. Yeah, you're not, no, no, Paul, you got it. Uh, yeah, reasonable. I mean, again, you don't know. And that's where, you know, that's where I think Mark Davis, his honesty kind of gets him in trouble there because he has no idea what it's going to look like. And, and I want to say... Yeah, they did draft him. They used a fourth round draft pick on him, but I'm not so sure he was the guy they were they were kind of zeroing in on at that point anyway. But th- remember, that run started with the Fresno State quarterback, Jake Hayner, and then boom, 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 all these quarterbacks went, and it was time for them to pick a quarterback. They got him. Now, granted, during the owners' meetings in March, um, Josh McDaniels did mention him by name out of the blue. And I was like, oh, okay, that's somebody to keep an eye on because he's going to mention him. Um, again, I'm looking for a reasonable, uh, plausible bump in the offense. You know that Devontae Adams is going to get his targets now. I'm looking for the return of third and Renfro uh, simply because that's what the fans demand. That's what they want. And that's what they've been screaming for. And they've also had success doing that last year. So as Antonio Pierce said in, in the presser, he said, look, they know what kind of offense we want to run. They know what it's supposed to look like. But I also know that they know this. They have to use their key guys. Hmm. I wonder who that would be. Dan, your thoughts on uh, Aiden O'Connell? I think that uh, for me, I just want to see somebody that exhibits a beating pulse. Obviously, he's a rookie. He wasn't taking <laughs> – no, no, and seriously, because he wasn't taking top 10 overall. We're not expecting right. him to come in and challenge for a Pro Bowl nod or anything like that. Like, you may have the – that. like, you may surmise about a, a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young or anybody that you're taking – towards the top of the draft, just somebody that exhibits a beating pulse. And what I mean by that, somebody who's going to take care of the ball, 
somebody who's going to actually utilize his playmakers. Like you just said, third and Renfro. Obviously, Devontae Adams. If you see that it's a light box, go ahead, check out of it. Hand it to your workhorse, Josh Jacobs. He led the league in rushing last year, for crying out loud, in using all of the weapons that you have at your disposal and being able to, at certain times, manage the game. Don't put the ball in harm's way. Just go ahead. Allow it to just allow yourself to just throw the ball out of bounds. It's now four down. Punt the ball instead of trying to force it. And it's a meaningless, or should I say, careless turnover. So to me, that is what my expectations reasonably would be because right now you are you're you're a three and five. Uh, you got the two New York teams coming up, the Jets, the Giants, respectively. And then after that, you got who? The Dolphins. Then you got the Chiefs. And then as you taper off, you have the Vikings, what looked to be a tough matchup as of about maybe a week and a half ago. But now that we see that Kirk Cousins is out for the rest of the season, they just traded for Josh Dobbs. Who knows exactly how they're going to look around that time. And then you finish off with the Denver Broncos. That's a very winnable game. And then right in between there, you have the Chargers again. So who knows what may what may come of that at Allegiant Stadium and not SoFi Stadium out there in L.A. From a record standpoint, I'm right there with Mark Davis. Like, who knows? That's why they play the game. But the eye test, it's the eye test for me for the remaining nine weeks. That, to me, is going to spell whether it's a positive outlook, whether it's doomsday again. So I just want to see Aiden O'Connell look like the moment is not too big for him. So I'm here. I'm hearing Stan saying that the Raiders are going nine and eight and grabbing one of those those wild card spots. That's what I'm hearing. I, I would lo- go ahead. I Stan. would love that, much like we saw two years ago with Rich Bisaccia, yeah. and then the Raiders go ahead. They rattle off those victories. We see the big game to end the season on Sunday Night Football with yeah. them and the Chargers went all the way down to the wire, and then they go first game of the year. I'm sorry, first game of the playoffs, and then lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, who then wind up being in the Super Bowl. I would love to see that, and who knows. You know, we see, uh, obviously, Marcus Peters had the interception return for the touchdown. Obviously, Max Crosby plays at a high level. Maybe the Raiders can go ahead and get some magic going this last two months of the season. And who knows? Uh, I do think that 9-8 and eight will probably sneak into the playoffs this year. And if they were able to get 9-8 and eight with this team, after everything that's happened so far, once again, another coach being fired, right. I think that uh, I think that'd be great for them. I'll go over under six wins uh, for the rest Ooh. of this total total for the for for the season and you mm. know they, with Aiden O'Connell starting and that Giants offense what's the over under in this game like twenty eight maybe maybe twenty nine twenty nine points oh my gosh all right final yeah. question guys and uh, Paul I'm going to start with you you talked to Mark mm-hmm. Davis I mean is this t- is he going to finally get it right I mean look at let's, let's look at the Raiders uh, since 2011 when he took over and this is a list of coaches both full time. Interim. We got Hugh Jackson, who Stan, you played for. We got yes. uh, Dennis Allen, Tony Sperano, Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Ritz Bisaccia, and Josh McDaniels. Uh, and now we have Antonio Pierce. Paul, any 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 little bit of confidence he's finally going to get it right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you go down that list, um, and you probably have to say that Jack Del Rio has probably been the best. I was so far. Yeah. What does that say? You know, <laughs> and Jack Jack had it running. Until until they brought Marshawn Lynch in and he kind of altered the chemistry. He didn't ruin the, the locker room, but he altered it to the point where Jack didn't know how to handle it. And here we are. So 
is he going to get it right? Again, I, I'm going to quote Mark himself. I have no idea. But that's why they hire the coaches to, to go in there and do it. This just felt different. I mean, there was kind of a fire and a brimstone to Antonio today that, that hadn't been there for a long time. He definitely has the sickest car in the parking lot. To my taste, he's got a tricked out 6'4 Impala sitting out there with the California plates. So I'm digging that. That has nothing to do with the game. But, but there's just something that there's something there that's impressive. And in talking with Mark Davis, you can see why he got kind of, I'm not going to say wowed, but he was intrigued and then impressed by him. Um, again, there's so many, so many names out there because if, if they don't get it done, they, they're going to have every shot in the world to, to, to keep the job. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, the name Jim Harbaugh is never going to go away. It's never going to go away as long as he is, is still flirting in the NCAA is, is talking about coming after him hard. And keep this in mind, guys. Uh, I covered last year in, in May, so a year and a half or so ago, John Gruden when he first started suing the league here in, in Las Vegas and his owner, his owner, his um, agent told the judge, you know, if the league would give him his job back with the Raiders, uh, maybe we'll drop this lawsuit entirely. Oh, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying, no, I I'm don't want saying. Gruden part three. No, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Stan, you think Mark ever yeah. is going to get it right? <laughs> I hope he does. You know, I think that, um, you know, like I said, I, I've only been around Mark Davis a couple of times. I've not had lengthy conversations with him or anything like that. I actually was around him uh, most of the most of the time. Most of the times I was around him was when Al was alive. Mm. So he wasn't exactly the owner at the time. And I hope he gets it right. That's number one. I think that at times especially once we got past the Jack Del Rio administration and things like that, it seems like he's more, he was more going for the big splash. seems like he was going for the big name and John Gruden did a great job in the booth for ESPN, obviously for a number of years, but it had been that long since he had been coaching in the NFL. And I think that he lost sight of certain things. The game has evolved. It's changed. And then after John Gruden, obviously Rich Bisacci is there for the remainder of the season two years ago. And then we go to Josh McDaniels. Well, at what point in Josh McDaniels' career as a head coach or even as a potential head coach, has he ever wowed you? At what point has he ever exceeded expectations? We saw what happened in Denver. We saw that. But there was a moment several years back where he agreed to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts mm -hmm. and then backed out at the 11th hour. I still haven't forgotten about that. And it just, to me, it seems like Mark Davis was looking for the big name and being a head coach. Like you just said, Paul, you got to be a leader. You got to be a leader of men. You got to be able to convince many. You got to be able to convince 53 guys in a locker room who like Devonte Adams making 28 million a year. You got Max Crosby making 24, 23, whatever you got Jimmy G making somewhere in the twenties. I forget Hunter Renfro. He's got a nice salary as well. You got to be able to convince 53 men who have families, wives, kids, all of that to follow you. And not because they need to, some of their contracts are, you know, have a lot of guaranteed money, things like that. So they have to follow you because they want to. And that, to me, is where it gets interesting because if you're always going for the biggest name or the biggest splash, they may not be the right person for the job. So right now, I know that John Gruden, I'm sorry, uh, John Harbaugh, 
I loved what he did with the 49ers those four years because they immediately they were in the NFC title game three years in a row in the Super Bowl. Obviously, they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, his uh his, his brother, um, the other Harbaugh. And I think that you had him on the list because of his physical approach to coaching, his physical approach to the game. And then I would I would take a strong look. At Ben Johnson, the offense yeah. coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. I would take a strong look at him. And I mean trying to get a hold of him early because I feel like he's going to be a pretty a pretty uh, sought-after candidate after this coming season. Obviously, we see what he's doing yeah. with the Detroit Lions offense and Jared Goff and all of them. So those will be uh, both of my names uh, that I would go ahead and put at the top of the list. But once again, what the hell do I know? I'm just a corner. Um, but I, I just think that I think going for the big splash, I think that we've been there, we've tried that, and we see how that's ended. All right, real quick, guys, let's do a prediction for Sunday. Paul, I'll start with you, Raiders, Giants. I think the Raiders are going to ride that emotional wave to to a win, and it's it's it might be ugly, but it's going to be exciting. Stan, yeah, I would go ahead and uh echo the same sentiments Paul said. I think that uh, there's going to be a, a a a breath of fresh air. And I think that they're going to ride that. I would look to see a 20 to 17 game. They win at the last second, win by a field goal, making a big play on defense to get a stop, something like that. I would say 2017 Raiders. All right. I'm going to go to the Raiders too. I'm going to be a little less optimistic. Nine to six. All field goal. Daniel Carlson kicks him <laughs> no, in the yard and win. Come Hold on. on. Come on. 15 points, 15 punts combined, 15 penalties. But the Raiders get an, another ugly win. I think that's oh, very realistic. Goodness. And Paul, I'm sorry you got to witness that in person. Yeah, and I got to try and make sense of it and write about it. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of Ray guy and Chris Barr references. Maybe we'll get Seabass out there. Huh? <laughs> uh, good stuff, Paul. Really appreciate you joining us. And Stan, great job as always. Yeah. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, our guest, Paul Gutierrez. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.